Well, the world has, I think, overall been progressively getting better in terms of treating those that are handicapped. Um, I remember several years ago there was a film that I saw. It was based on this event that... Uh, it was a Chinese film, and it was based on this earthquake that happened several decades ago. And I remember even not knowing the full context of what was real and what was fiction in that film, there was one part of that movie that I felt was very, very... Uh, I felt like it was, at, it was at, definitely added on uh, to kind of maybe help uh, people rethink about handicap or, or people's perception of it. In this particular film, there was a scene where there was a major earthquake that happened. There were these two kids that were pinned down, and one of the kids... Uh, was able, to, both the kids survived, but then one of the kids that did survive was ended up being, um, uh, had his leg amputated. And in the film, he this kid ends up being very successful in life, even though he is handicapped. And if you know anything about the way that the Asian culture tend to be, especially in the context of film, it tends to be that people that are handicapped or missing a limb or something that are not really... Um, viewed highly in society in the way the way and in that film it was portrayed that this kid that ended up losing his leg not only was he successful but he was having a family and everything was just it just seemed like everything went normal obviously that's not the case because if you know anything about the chinese culture in china in particular there is not it's not like people think very highly of those that are handicapped especially the fact that this person was married was, was like the fact that I, I saw it's kind of like okay that's obviously not true because i know how um, some asians people think in their view towards those that are missing limbs or have some sort of physical deformity or anything like that um so i think this film was definitely at least that portion of the film was definitely fiction uh, as a way to i think to show the audience that oh look our view of those that are handicapped are actually good but we know that that's not always the case and such it is with this in the time of the in the early church as well. Uh, being a person that has some sort of disease or affliction, it's often a very sad. And in Acts chapter three, verse one to ten, we see this. We're introduced to this character of this lame beggar. And if you can imagine what it's like to be this lame beggar. Uh, many people would have known exactly who you're talking about. You said that this is this lame beggar that in the t in is in front of the gate of the t near this one gate of the temple called the Beautiful. Uh, people would know exactly who you're referring to. This person, this lame beggar, uh, was a beggar and he needed help and he was noticeable. In fact, if he wasn't there, that would be strange. And this is someone that just constantly go that goes to this one area. It says in verse two. Uh, that he was um, being that he was he was born this way, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was carried along. So he was brought there, and he was brought there um, by friends, I would imagine, or your family to just do really do one thing, and that is to beg for money. Um, he was hopeless, he was helpless in a lot of ways, and even in that society, he was useless. Um, and this beggar, and it's really interesting that um, you know his this kid was born, I mean this man, in in the Acts chapter four it implies that this guy was a forty year old, um, but this man here was born lame in his uh, mother's womb, and I don't think lame in a in a in a, in a modern sense like he's like a loser, but lame in the sense that he can't he couldn't walk, um, 
and you know as a kid if you think about children when he was born I bet the mother probably thought oh he's just like any other kid until he noticed a little something that oh maybe this kid doesn't kick or maybe he just needs to develop more of that muscle in order for him to start kicking you know kids can you know roll around and uh, it'll take a while for them to walk but at some point she must have realized oh no my son is lame because he cannot crawl um, and you can imagine just being the mother how hard it would have been seeing your son having very little prospects of life because of his handicap and yet this man he's spent his you know 40 years like that and you can even imagine from even his perspective that he was born uh, and maybe for several years didn't even notice that he was lame but it wasn't until he grew a little bit older and older that he noticed that these other kids around him were not like him. Um, the other kids can play, the other kids can run, the other kids can jump, and the other kids can do all of these activities and all he can do is just sit. And he probably wondered why. Why God, why did you make me this way? And I do think that sometimes God allows even the most horrible things to happen to us even before the womb as a way to show us um, his goodness in that if he heals someone or he brings someone to saving faith that they would indeed find something that the world does not understand how can someone that's um, broken uh, find happiness and purpose in life and I think this is what the gospel offers that's what I think this is why I think Luke wrote and put this particular story in. Luke, again, running, uh, kind of giving us a running start in chapter 2, Peter makes this defense of the, of the fact that they're able to do all these supernatural things. And it wasn't because they were drunk, but because the Lord promised that the Holy Spirit wouldn't dwell in them. And Peter preaches his first sermon, and then many people get saved. This is in the end of verse 41, and uh, that uh, 3,000 souls were added to the church. So the church was growing and was growing, and then now uh, Peter and John are just going around. And, and I think Peter's writing this to show you that you know this miracle thing isn't just with tongues, but with physical things as well. They are now doing things that only Jesus was able to do back then, the supernatural ability to, to defy um, the normal boundaries of reality. So in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And then they noticed this man. Uh, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began to asking to receive alms. So basically, this man was begging. Um, uh, he's, he's begging for money. Uh, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And one of the things that you'll notice if you ever just go around San Francisco or anywhere, that you notice the homeless people generally, there's some that will look into your eyes and try to ask for money, but there are those that are looking around or kind of just not really looking at anything, just kind of staring off into space, or some are even humble about it. They're like, look, they're like bowing to the ground with their hands up and just begging. That's what I envisioned this uh, this lame beggar is. He's, he's probably slumped over because he can't really bow because his leg doesn't work. So he's probably like on the floor laying there. And he just holds his hands out. He maybe not even looking up. Obviously wasn't looking at them. And just begging, pleading for money. Because, you know, if he had no money, then um, 
he would not live. And, you know, it is normal for people to just walk past him and not give him anything, but and even ignoring him. But the fact that Peter and John looked at him and told him to look back at him, at, at both of them, is very unique. He's trying to get this person's attention when most people don't want to really pay him any attention. Verse 5, when he began to give him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So again, this is, okay, maybe he is going to, they're going to offer something, because uh, why would he want to to look up at him? He's desperate. He won't do anything to live. Verse 6, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. Which again, if I heard, the, if you were in that lame, lame person's position, you probably think, okay, then I guess I can just look away. Like, you know, you can move along. There's no reason that you're going to want to spend time with me. But what Peter said after is probably something that he was not expecting that was going to change his life. He offered this. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. This was something that is, this line here is very familiar to Jesus when he, when he told the a man that was sitting on a pallet, you remember his friends would bring him down to, to pick up his pallet on the walk. This is Mark chapter 2. This is what Jesus said, and it's very similar language to what Peter is doing. Peter is doing this. Again, you can, show, you can see his maturity now that he's you know, almost like uh, uh, copying Jesus' language here, and he, does, he tells him to walk. He, he, and he grabs him by the right hand, verse 7, sees him by the right hand and raises him immediately. His feet and ankles are strengthened. This is a very supernatural event. And you have to understand and remember that Luke is the author here. He's, he cannot find a medical exp explanation for this. And that tells you something, that just because you are a physician doesn't mean that you deny the supernatural. That's, off, that's very counter to how our world thinks. They think that if you're a science person, you must deny the supernatural. But you can actually have both, and that's what Luke is doing here. He's telling you, this is Luke, like the doctor. He's a known doctor. I mean, he, he's just, he's, he's, he has a way of thinking, he has a way of order in the world, and what he just witnessed and things that he's able to discover about um, the apostles, that they're able to do things that defied science. And he says, like, okay, they, he walked up, his, his legs were strengthened. And, I mean, it's supernatural. How does this guy even know how to walk? I mean, we understand. I mean, when I, I mean, there's just even for us, like physically, there's like muscle memory that we had to learn, a muscle development and all those things. Like this guy had no concept of what it means to balance. But yet somehow the Lord is able to not only fix his leg, but even probably fix part of his mind. So he's able to, to, to stand, to walk, to run, to leap, to do all of these different things. And it's that, and what he does first is amazing. Verse 8, with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. He entered the temple, which is something he's never done before, with them walking and leaping and praising God. And you have to just imagine this is a part of the temple, uh, and he, there's you know probably an echo chamber, and you can imagine when Peter said that he, he this guy just started walking and just cheering and, and praising the Lord, and that he probably drew a crowd like what's going on here in this temple, and they noticed that this man is walking. The power of Christ will change you, and it will make you a worshiper of God and make you cheerful when you worship the Lord and you understand the power you will be a joyful person um, now is this you when you think about your life when you think about how the Lord transformed you 
do you praise the Lord? You know, Christians should be the most joyful people, and we're always the people that are celebrating because we have victory in Christ. That he, he, he released us from the bondage of our sin and purchased us with his blood so that we can be his child. And we can now look forward to the day where, where we have paradise, that we don't have to worry about uh, what the future has to hold because it will always be with him. This unique and supernatural change in our life in the spiritual sense should make us the most joyful worshiper. Just like how this lame beggar became um, a worshiper. Well, at this point, he's no longer lame. He's just a, he's just a worshiper of God. Verse 10, uh, and at verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God. So then now other people, that, you know, that crowd that saw him cheering and running around, they were praising the Lord because this is something that you know, they, they know who he is. The fact that there's so many people that saw him and they're praising God authenticates that, like, okay, this is that same guy. This is the same guy that we saw for years, this 40-year-old man sitting on, like, on the ground, always being carried back and forth. And this person is now walking, and the only thing that they could do as well is praise God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to Bay Elms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is just what happens every time when someone gets saved. Um, you know, I've seen people that have transformed lives from drug addicts to missionaries, and I've seen a couple of those. I've seen people that, um, you know, were part, just lived a debauched life, and the way that the Lord just changed them so radically it's just something that you just marvel at the lord you just cannot believe i mean you praise the lord for it you're just so amazed by what the lord's willing to do what peter and john had to offer the world is what we have to offer the world as well we only thing we offer is not just money um though i think we should uh, but the main thing that we have is that we have a we can offer a transform and change life through the gospel because this is something greater than the physical, but it's spiritual and is eternal. If let's say we played devil's advocate or and see a, like an alternative to what Peter, if Peter and John did, if Peter and John, which I don't think they were particularly wealthy, but if they had offered him money, you know that's just something that even non-Christians can do. And this is why the church is supposed to be different from the rest of the world. It's not to say that the church shouldn't do things that are like helpful to society to help alleviate suffering, but the, the world and even non-Christians can do those things. But what makes the Christians different is that we offer something more than that. We can offer um, something that goes beyond that. It's a transforming work of the Spirit. In fact, even the physical things now, because of technology and science and medicine, a lot of our physical things can, can be controlled and even um, helped and alleviated to a certain extent, but only the gospel can change someone and make them truly someone new. I just think about um, Johnny Erickson Tata. She is an example that she's a quadriplegic person, uh, but yes, she has so much joy that, um, that the world doesn't fully get. You know, she doesn't necessarily, like she I think understands her affliction that the world will allow something bad like this happen so that she can always testify that there is something better coming. Um, I've been to her, I've been to their office in, in Los Angeles and there's a mural there where it's a very sweet mural um, because you see her and you see a whole bunch of all these other kids that are disabled um, and then you see Jesus at the end of the table. But what's very unique is that when, you're, when the kids are there, 
they're actually not handicapped anymore. You see kind of like the, the pieces of like, you know, the walk, uh, the cane and then uh, the, the walking, the help thing that help them walk and wheelchairs and everything just kind of like set aside. And they're just all gathered around this table with Jesus. And that just gives you this hope that the gospel offers. And I think that's why even the Lord, why the Lord even allowed this person to be lame at birth. It's supposed to be a graphic picture of the gospel. This man was helpless, he was hopeless, and he was useless. But because of what the gospel had done, because Jesus uh, enabled the apostles to find him, I mean, the Lord providentially made this person lame, made him lame for 40 years, raised up the apostles. Uh, so, yeah, so when he was 10, Jesus entered into the world, and he was already, you know, Jesus was already doing things. And then, you know, he had to wait 30 years until Jesus uh, grew old, older, and then start his ministry, and then now, the guys that he trained up is healing him and he and he praises the lord he was helpless he was hopeless and he was useless but now because of what jesus has done he's now helped he has he's filled with hope and now he's going to be useful in the hands of the lord and it's very evident the moment he got saved people were marveling and praising god there were greater worshipers i, I trust that some people came to saving faith because they, they he was just testifying hey this jesus christ is truly the Lord and the true Savior, now we understand that we can't supernaturally heal people physically. That's not what we offer. I don't think that's what John and Peter offer. I think the main thing was just that they told them that Jesus Christ is the one that's going to save, that's going to change him. That's a message that we have. We want to tell people about this Jesus who can truly give people hope, that can truly help people and make them useful. Now, if you're listening to this and you are not a Christian, understand that Jesus, that you might feel this way about your life. You feel helpless, you feel hopeless, and you're, you feel like there's useless, you feel like there's nothing that you're able to do in life. But, I, but, I, but trust me when I say that the Bible, and particularly the life of Jesus and the gospel itself, that how he saves us. You understand your greatest need is actually not anything physical, but it really is that your spiritual condition makes you separated from the Lord, that your sin is from birth. You ha you're born knit in the womb and you're born into iniquity. You, ha you didn't need to be taught how to sin, you just knew how to sin. You are helpless, you are hopeless, and you are useless to the world. And, um, and, and, but yet the Lord was able to rescue you in ways that you, um, that you probably never even thought about. If you're one of these people that feel helpless and hopeless and useless, understand when the Lord saved you. When you place your faith in Him, when you trust Him, trust in Him as your Lord and Savior, you will be helped by Him, and that you understand um, that your biggest condition, your greatest condition of your sinfulness, is done away with, and is now you're given something brand new, which is a new life. You're now a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you follow Him, you'll be filled with hope because you know that your life is not just from this world, that, that you have something greater, and you'll be useful for the kingdom of God because he will tell you how he wants you basically to tell others about the good news of the gospel, that all of us can be saved. All of us um, don't have to live in this state of misery that this world is just filled with, um, that this world is not all that there is, that this body is not all that there is, and that there is something greater that's coming, and it can only be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And for all of you that are believers, this is the hope that we offer people, that we, that we go and we tell other people 
that, the, that our Jesus Christ has come into the world, died for our sins, and rose again three days later. And it's a foolish gospel, and it's a free gift. Just like how Peter and John had nothing else, and they just told the, the, uh, the, the lame beggar to, in the name of Jesus Christ to walk. And that's what we want people to. We declare people the gospel so that we can ho- and hope that they can spiritually go from spiritually lame to walking closely with the Lord. I hope that this message is encouraging, encouragement to you, and I hope that this will be helpful for you, um, as, you uh, as we study through the book of Acts together. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day. Thank you.